take your Bibles this morning and don't go to 1 Thessalonians. We're taking a little break from that and we'll get back to that. I want you to find the book of Psalms this morning. Find the book of Psalms and we'll be there in a moment. In fact, we'll be in a lot of different scriptures today and so I'll just encourage you um, as we're going through the scriptures that maybe just dot down the references so you'll know where we are and what's being read. You can go back and reference those later. I want to give you something that Lloyd... Ogilvy said, and I want you to think about it with me this morning. He simply said this, praise is the thermostat of the soul. Praise is the thermostat of the soul. I want you to think about that statement for a moment. Praise is the thermostat of the soul. When you think about a thermostat, what does a thermostat do? It it helps to regulate and control the temperature. Uh, If you want to be cooler, uh, you're going to adjust it one way. If you want to be warmer, you're going to adjust it the other way. Some of you wish you could get to the thermostat in here this morning. The thermostat controls the temperature. But think about your soul for a moment. He said that praise is the thermostat of the soul. He further said the more we know God, the more we praise Him, and the more we praise Him, the more we know Him. So I want you to think about what setting... Uh, you have this morning when it comes to your soul? What is the thermostat set on? What is your spiritual temperature, your soul's temperature this morning? Uh, To ask it another way, what is your praise thermostat set at this morning? Are you cold or are you hot, spiritually speaking? And some might be thinking, well, does it really matter? Does it really matter if I'm cold or hot? Isn't it enough that I just have a temperature? Isn't it enough just to know that I'm spiritually alive, I know Christ, He's my Savior, He's my Lord? Uh, And so isn't it just enough that I'm alive spiritually? Uh, Do I really have to be concerned with whether or not I'm I'm hot towards the Lord or cold towards the Lord? Well, Revelation chapter 3 says this. Jesus speaking to the churches in verses 15 and 16 says, I know your works, that you're neither, neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but those are some serious words from the Lord Jesus. I would would that you be either cold or hot, but because you're just kind of lukewarm, it makes me sick. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And so the Lord is concerned about our spiritual temperature, if you will, our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be spiritually hot. We're to be on fire for the Lord. And we'll not have that if we do not have praise in our lives. We will not have praise in our lives for the Lord if we don't know the Lord like we ought to know Him. I believe He's right. Praise is the spiritual thermostat of the soul. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn. You're in the book of Psalms. I want you to go right in the middle of the Bible, the literal middle of the Bible. And in the middle of the Bible, you're going to find the shortest psalm, and you're also going to find the shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117. Psalm 117. It's at the very heart of the Bible. It's just two verses. And Psalm 117 is only 17 words in the original Hebrew. And though it's the smallest chapter, the smallest here, it's actually as big as the world. You may have heard the saying that dynamite comes in small packages. That's what we have here. Furthermore, we have here a small psalm with a very big message. Now, I want you to look at it with me. It's only two verses. 
And I thought I'd put it on the screen and we could read it out loud together. So I want to ask you if you would to do that. And, and so let's read through this, Psalm 117, 1 and 2. Let's read it out loud together from the screen. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you noticed that uh, there's a beautiful set of bookends in Psalm 117. I've got a lot of bookends. I've got a, a lot of books, and I enjoy beautiful bookends and unique bookends, and, and they're very helpful. But did you notice the beautiful bookends that are found in Psalm 117? At the beginning, you have the words, Praise the Lord. And at the end, you have the words, Praise the Lord. Now, in all honesty, um, this is the center of God's Word. This is the middle of the Bible. And in the middle of the Bible, we're told that we're to occupy ourselves by praising the Lord. We are to praise, exalt, worship, magnify, laud the Lord. Now, don't rush through this psalm. If you're reading through the book of Psalms, you would read this in just a moment, and then you would probably move on. But I want us to kind of slow down and spend some time with these two verses this morning. Brevity is a sign of genius. Did you know that? To say something succinctly that's worth saying, to say it in a short amount of time is a mark of genius. A lot of us can ramble on and on forever, and a lot of people can ramble on unending. But to really say something worthwhile and to say it succinctly and to say it in just a few words and have an impact and a meaning is phenomenal. And we have that here today. Now, we don't know who the author of this psalm was. We don't know the setting of the psalm, but we do know the theme of the psalm. The theme is abundantly clear. It begins with it and ends with it, and it is praise the Lord. Let's talk about this praise for a moment. The word praise there that begins and ends this psalm in verses 1 and 2 is the Hebrew word we get our word, hallelujah, hallelujah. The word literally means to shine, to boast, to celebrate, to commend, to glory. If you go in some other churches that are a little more lively in their expression of worship and the uh, response in preaching, you may have been in some churches where you hear somebody go, Hallelujah! Growing up, we used to sing a song. It was one of our favorite songs in vacation Bible school. And, and when children would gather together, and it was Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. And the other side would come back, praise you the Lord. And one side would jump up, the other side would sit down, jump up, and then we'd basically be screaming at each other across the church. That's really what it was. And I don't know how much we praise the Lord with that, but we sure shouted down the other side. But here we have the word praise. It begins the psalm, it ends the psalm. And then you notice in the second word that's translated in the New King James, we read it laud. If you have the King James, it says praise. That's a different Hebrew word. And this Hebrew word has the idea of addressing in a loud tone. In other words, to say or sing it where other people can hear it. So think about it this way. We praise the Lord by telling Him how great He is, and we laud the Lord, or we praise Him, also by telling others how great He is, by bragging on Him. So I guess we could argue back in that day, because we were singing Hallelujah, Praise the Lord, and we were telling each other, Hallelujah, praise you, the Lord. But that's the idea here. We tell God how great He is, and we tell other people how great God is. Our praise for God has really two directions. God hears it, 
and other people hear it. That's the idea here. So this psalm answers two very important, very simple but very important questions. Let's talk about them. First of all, who should praise the Lord? Who should praise the Lord? Well, short answer is everyone. Everyone. Notice the alls in this passage. You're there in Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples, for His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Everyone in the world owes praise to God. They may not recognize it. They may not practice it. They may never do it. But everyone in the world owes praise, honor, adoration, worship toward God. Write this reference down, Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And so everybody owes praise to the Lord, but there's more than just that general grace toward society, a grace toward people in general here. That is a, a reason to praise the Lord. That is a reason to honor Him. And He's so good, He blesses those who love Him and those who hate Him. But He's worthy of praise because of that. But there's more here in this passage. In this passage, we have a beautiful picture of the Gospel. It's a picture of all nations and peoples praising God. Now, we'll see that more as we talk about the second question. But consider this this moment, this idea of all the nations and peoples praising God. Notice he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. And so we have here this idea of the nations. Paul actually quoted this in Romans 15. If you're quick turning, you can go to Romans 15, 7 through 12, or just write the reference down. But listen to Romans 15, verses 7 through 12. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, for this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, listen to this one. Here it is. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. So we're reminded here that God's love and mercy and grace, it did not stop with Israel. It did not stop with the Israelites. It extended to those of us outside of the Jewish nation. It extended to us. And we see that here in this psalm. We see it in the covenant that God made with Abraham. You go back to Genesis chapter 12. You have what's known as the Abrahamic covenant. God decided to choose Abraham to build a nation through Abraham. And here's what God said in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Remember, he's childless at this time. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And listen, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we know that that promise is fulfilled, how? By the coming of the Lord Jesus to the line and the lineage of Abraham. And in him, 
and his lineage and his line and his family, all the nations of the earth are blessed through Jesus. We see that God wants nations and peoples to praise and worship him. How many of us know John 3.16 by heart? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You see, you have to realize and remember that missions is more than just about keeping people out of hell. It's more than that. Missions also is all about bringing glory and honor and praise and adoration to God and God alone. As we go to the nations and we share the gospel, we're making much about Jesus. We're exalting the Lord. And yes, we desire to see people saved, uh, rescued from hell, but likewise to be set on a path to live their lives for the honor and glory of God. And so we have here this, this picture of the nations. The praise of God, the glory of God should motivate us in our missions, both our personal sharing of our faith, our giving, our going, our praying, because praise is the thermostat of the soul. And we praise the Lord, we know the Lord, and we want other people to praise the Lord. So the first question is who should praise the Lord? Short answer, everyone. Second question, why should we praise the Lord? Why should we praise the Lord? Well, I'm sure we could formulate an unending list. In fact, it won't be long. We'll blink and we'll be at Thanksgiving time and, and you'll probably have one of those um, leaves or one of those uh, craft paper uh, ornaments that we hang on our Thanksgiving tree and you'll take some time and you'll write down praises to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. We should praise the Lord all the time. We could all make our own list. We can look to our left and right and praise the Lord. But this particular area focuses on two key points of why we should praise the Lord. So there are many reasons, but let's just focus on what the psalmist talks about here. He says there in verse 2, for, we're to, or first one, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. Now watch the four, verse 2. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever Praise the Lord. So he mentions two in particular here. He mentions the merciful kindness of God and he mentions the truth of God. Kind of reminds us of Psalm 100, doesn't it? Psalm 105, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. We could honestly and easily call these two, I think, grace and truth. Grace, that is His merciful kindness, and the truth of the Lord. So let's talk about grace for a moment. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We're to praise Him for His grace. We're to praise Him for His merciful kindness. You've got to remember <clears throat> that when God selected Abram, whom we know better as Abraham, He didn't choose Abram because Abram was so great and wonderful and special. It was His mercy and grace that chose Abram. And by the way, when God chose you and God chose me, He didn't choose us because we're so great and we're so wonderful. In fact, when God chose us, we weren't great. We weren't wonderful. God in His mercy and His grace, His mercy and His grace, He reached down in love and He chose us and He redeemed us 
He saved us. He rescued us. He adopted us. There's so many ways we could talk about that. And we should praise the Lord for His merciful kindness. He had mercy on us. We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We deserve hell. We deserve punishment. We deserve suffering. But He and His grace loved us. We forget Lamentations is not really anybody's favorite book, I don't think. Not many people say, I just love the book of Lamentations. I mean, I'm sure there are some, and if you are, that's great. But I haven't met any. We forget this this gem in Lamentations 3.22 where it says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. It's God's merciful kindness that we're here today. It's through His mercies. We made it safely. We're still alive. We're not dead. God's mercy comes to us in so many ways and shapes and forms on a daily basis. It says, through the Lord's mercies we're not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness, we know, resonates from that as well. We praise Him that we're not saved by works. We're not saved by our own merit. If we were saved by our own work and our own merit, we'd all be damned forever. Because all of our righteousness is filthy rags. We can't work our way. We can't make our way. We're lost. It's by His grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so God's grace, God's mercy, should cause us to praise Him. Thank You, Lord, for having mercy upon me. Thank You, Lord, for extending grace to me. Thank You, Lord, for saving me. Thank You, Lord, for sustaining me. Thank You, Lord, for keeping me. Thank You, Lord, for for never failing me. You've always been gracious and merciful and kind. Thank You for Your merciful kindness toward me. We should praise Him. But then there's a second thing here. Verse 2, For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. We should praise Him that God's Word, His truth, His promises. You know, we, we sang about promises a moment ago when we were singing Sovereign Over Us. We, we talked about the promises of God there. We should praise the Lord that His promises, they endure forever. We do not serve a fickle God. We do not serve a moody God. We do not serve a God that changes with the wind. Perhaps you know people in your life and and you're never quite sure which version you're going to get. You're never quite sure what, uh, what's going to happen when you're around them. That's not the way God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Hebrews 13, 8, I've already alluded to it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is a faithful God. His Word is true. He's not going to go back on His Word. He's not going to change His Word. He's not going to change His promises. We can rest upon them. And I don't know about you, but that's a great blessing to me, to be able to rest upon the Word of God, to rest upon the promises of God. And no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's happening around me, no matter how chaotic it is, to to be able to rest upon the promises of God. I like the way the the Holman Christian Standard translates this. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify Him, all peoples. For great is His faithful love to us. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So I want you to think about today your praise thermostat. How much is praise a part of your life? Let me be honest with yourself. I'm not asking you to answer out loud. I'm not asking you to come forward. I, I don't mean to embarrass or call out anybody. I'm just thinking about this in my own life as well. But I just want to think about how much is praise a part of our life? How much do we praise the Lord? You remember I told you that the more we know God, the more we praise Him. And the more we praise Him, the more we know Him. And it could be if we take a look at our thermostat, our spiritual thermostat, and we consider our praise, it could be that the reason it's not higher and we're not hotter, spiritually speaking, it could be because we really are not growing in our knowledge of God. We're really not getting to know God more and more every day. I'm afraid a lot of us are so easily satisfied. We're satisfied that we're saved. We're satisfied that we're on our way to heaven. We're satisfied that it seems like God is blessing us, yet we don't really get to know Him as we ought. We're not growing in our knowledge of Him. I want to give you a little phrase that you could take with you. I think it'll be helpful. It's not original with me. I think I was probably in, maybe in Bible college or maybe a little bit after when I learned this phrase. But it's one I think will serve us well as Christians. Especially when we face so much, the strains and stresses of life, as problems come, as issues come, as things don't work the way we hope they will or things go totally awry. Our lives feel chaotic at times. There's so much uncertainty in our lives. There's so many questions we don't have answers for. There's so many issues we deal with. It's a phrase you can use. I think it's biblical. I think it's helpful. It's even catchy. It's simply this phrase, Hallelujah anyway. Hallelujah anyway. Everything's going wrong. Hallelujah anyway. I've suffered great loss in my life. Hallelujah anyway. There's great uncertainty. Hallelujah anyway. Remember, hallelujah is the old idea here of praising the Lord, celebrating Him. Why? Because we've got to remember this, and it's such an important lesson, especially those who are younger in the faith, those who are younger Christians. You've got to remember that the circumstances that you're dealing with the problems that you're having, the issues that you're dealing with, that does not, that does not equal the goodness and greatness of God. God is always good. God is always great. God is always perfect. Even when everything's going wrong in our lives and we don't understand anything that's happening, it does not, that does not change the fact that God is God and God is perfect. <clears throat> And you've got to remember that God has a purpose and God is working. And God sees things and considers things and, and looks at things that, that we don't even know about. Romans 8, we talk about the promise of God. He works all things together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. 
There's a lot that's not good in our lives. There's a lot that I cannot explain. There's a lot that I cannot uh, give people assurance of why it's happening or anything. There are times I'm just like you. I stand there. I don't know anything else to do but just pray. But Hallelujah anyway reminds us that though everything may be going wrong for us and things are not going well and things are not good at the moment, it seems like in our life, we serve a God who is good. And that God holds us in His hand. And that God, though we don't understand it, is working. If you're a Christian, He's working all things together for good. I, my favorite Bible character, I think, if I had to be, if, it, if I was pressed to say, who is your favorite Bible character in all the Bible? Um, of course, you know, we, we could be spiritual and say, well, Jesus, well, obviously He's the Lord and Savior. But as far as a human, just a regular old guy like us, would be Joseph in the book of Genesis. He's my favorite. I preached on him before. It's been years and years and years ago. I did a whole series on Joseph. Some of you may remember it, probably don't. But when you look at Joseph's life, and, and you look at what happened in his life, you take a very young man. Yeah, he had it a little bit tough there at the beginning, his father's favorite. It's one thing to be your father's favorite. It's another thing for your father to put a jacket on that says, I'm my father's favorite. His brothers hated him, threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him, wanted to kill him, but they sold him into slavery, taken and put in all these terrible places from the pit to prison, and you know the story. It seems like that that old saying, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. I mean, he's a faithful man, a, a man who trusted God, and yet he's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. And just on and on, it seems like nothing went right for Joseph. Until one day, Pharaoh had a dream. And you remember he had already interpreted dreams for those that had been thrown in prison with him, hoping to get out and say a good word for me. And wasn't it two years went by? <clears throat> the interesting thing with Joseph's life is no matter where he found himself, he was kind of like the cream just rose to the top. He, he just always seemed to be blessed. I mean, God just blessed him in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. But I mean, he was still, you know, in prison. He was still a bound servant. Until one day, he's brought forth and he's made second in command. He knows the famine is coming. He makes the preparations. God had given him dreams way back. And one day he's there and he's dealing with the people. And his brothers appear before him. And they bow. Fast forward, we won't go into all the details there, but fast forward, you remember that dad dies and the brothers are nervous. And it's that chapter, memory search, it's chapter 50. I don't remember the exact verse. I want to say 22, but that may not be right. But you remember the brothers come and say, hey, you know, they're, they're trying, dad said, you don't, don't. And you remember he was grieved. And he made a statement along these lines. What you meant for evil... God meant for good to save much people alive. 
If anywhere along the path, if Joseph had just said, I quit, I give up, why not? Why not take advantage of the opportunity set before me? What do I have to live for? But the theme that runs through Joseph's life, if you go back and read the Scripture, it says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And I just remind you this morning that whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever uncertainties, maybe you've got big decisions you're trying to make, maybe you're waiting on a health report, maybe you're scared about some matters, maybe there's uncertainty about your future, can I just remind you this morning, if you're a child of God, the Lord is with you. And in the midst of whatever goes on, you can say, Hallelujah, anyway. Praise the Lord, anyway. For He is good, and His mercy endures to all generations. Father, we are grateful for Your Word, the truth that endures forever. We are grateful today for Your merciful kindness toward us and taking Him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Father, forgive us for our times where we do not praise You as we ought. We cry out to You today, praise be to Your name. May You receive glory and honor and adoration and praise for You alone are worthy. And Father, I pray if anybody here does not have the certainty we've been talking about today, they don't know Christ as their Savior, they don't have the assurance of eternal life, would you just touch their heart right now? Holy Spirit, would you draw that one to yourself? Bring them to Christ? By grace through faith, that they might be converted changed and forgiven today. Lord, the majority of this has been for those of us who know you. And I have a feeling that there are a lot of folks today that are dealing with a lot of things that are very difficult. So Lord, would you just make your presence known to them Would you just remind them that you're with them? Lord, we even have as believers now the confidence to know that we even have the Holy Spirit within us, dwelling within us. But you're with us on the hard days. You're with us in the strains and stresses of life. You're with us in the moments of loss. You're with us in the days of uncertainty. And you really are, you really are working all things together for our good. So help us, Lord, with true hearts to really say, Hallelujah, anyway. Because, Lord, you are always good. You are always great. You are always perfect. You are God alone. 
So go with us today and help us to walk in praise for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know Christ and you still have questions about that, we would love to talk with you. The altar is open during the invitation time. You can come and I talk with you, Pastor Larry. If you want someone else, that's great as well, but we would love to pray with you. If you want to come and pray about another matter, the altar is open today. 149, I thought, was a good closing hymn. We don't often think about this as a close, I don't think, but I thought it was most appropriate because it echoes the passage today. Praise Him, praise Him. 149, let's stand together and sing. Excellent praise.